Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey, welcome to Leading Simple. I am so glad that you are joining us today as we are right into the Christmas season. I told you last week that we'd be bringing on one of my favorite people in the world and one of our favorite guests on the podcast. His name is Dan Angel. And you may not know him, but I pretty sure that you know some of the works that he has done because he is a film producer. In fact, his most recent work became one of the number one films of the year on Netflix, a family film called Rescued by Ruby. Uh, If you haven't seen that, make sure you check that out. But I talk movies all the time with my friend Dan, and I said, hey, how about you come on the podcast and tell us, what's your favorite Christmas movies? Why is that? And what are some of the most critically acclaimed Christmas movies? And why we might even miss some of those. And so he's going to give us some some ones you might expect, some ones you hadn't thought of, and a couple you haven't even heard of. I think you're going to really enjoy uh, this trip through La La Land and Movie Land as we go through Dan's favorite Christmas movies and maybe some of these are yours. I'd love to know what they are. You can share those with me on Instagram. Rusty L. George uh, is how you find me there. I'd love to hear what your favorite Christmas movies are. Well, speaking of Christmas, we are in the middle of our Christmas at the Movies series, and it all comes together when we share Christmas at the Movies for Christmas Eve. And we have a very special film we're going to be using to tell the incredible story of Jesus, which is going to be so much fun for all of us. And you can check all of that out at reallifechurch.org, December 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Just go to the website to find out the actual service times. And if you're in the area, you can find out which location fits you best, Simi Valley, Valencia, or Lancaster. They're all going to be the same, and they're all going to be an incredible experience. If you've got somebody in your life that has had a rough year and needs a pick-me-up, tell them, come to Christmas Eve service with you. And they might say, yeah, I'm too busy on Christmas Eve. That's fine. We're meeting on the 22nd and the 23rd. Bring them to one of those, reallifechurch.org to watch it online. And there's also a Christmas special you can enjoy there as well, reallifechurch.org. I cannot wait for you to experience that. Can't wait for you to experience our conversation with Dan Angel. Here we go. Dan Angel, thank you for being a second time guest on the podcast. This time it's just you and me. No, none of the talent, none of the movie stars with us. It's just, it's just the guys behind the camera, right? So, uh, for our listeners who don't know much about you, tell us a little bit about your bio, and uh, you know, how, how'd you even get into to to film and to producing movies? Well, there's a couple of things people don't know. Some people know, you know, I, 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 there were a lot of paths trying to find your way in. You know, I was the you know growing up in Orange County at that time, Newport Beach, Costa Mesa wasn't exactly the hub of media in Hollywood. And, and in fact, the idea of going to Hollywood, even though it was a, you know, a one hour drive, it might as well have been, you know, a thousand miles away. It was, it was tough. Um, but you know, I did all kinds of little things here and there. And then I got what I thought was my big break. I had started out in musical theater, high school and college, and I was acting. And then all of a sudden that, that kind of went away. This switch turned off. And I thought I had my big break, and I got this opportunity to work on this movie called Roar with Tippi Hedren, and they offered me the job to be a lion trainer, and it was <laughs> unbelievable. By the way, it's still up there um, in Soledad Canyon. Shambhala is the name of the ranch, and Tippi's done a beautiful job of rescuing animals, but at this time, I think I needed rescuing, and 
Um, it was six months of my life. They put me in a cage with like 10 grown male lions and said, if they like you, you got the job. And I didn't get eaten that day. So uh, I got hired on that movie and insanity began. Um, it was just crazy. And I, if you go look at, I, I recommend everyone go look at the trailer of the movie Roar. And one of my favorite lines is, uh, no animals were hurt in the making of the movie, but plenty of humans were, and it's true. And it was Melanie Griffith and Tippi Hedren, and yeah, it was, it was crazy. And that's how it started. Wow. You know, it's like, and it wasn't my big break. It, it was risky and scary and exciting, and I got paid, I think I got paid 150 bucks a week. To just try to survive. Just to survive, yeah. Yeah, and what, and what you know, part of the thing that was happening is, I won't bore everyone with the plot because they're all going to know run out and see the movie. But, um, you know, it was a, a doctor and a become veterinarian in a, in a, um, in Africa, but with the, he had, he loved animals. So he had the animals. So we had to mix lions and tigers and cheetahs and panthers and, you know, cougars. I mean, these animals don't naturally mix. So when you do that, let's just say it goes crazy and, we were part of the team that had to try to break up the crazy. So yeah, that's how I. Did you ever get? Did you get bit by a lion? I did not, thank God. Um, Jan Debon was great, great DP. He was, you know, he he was the DP on that movie, the beginning of his career, and I know he got injured really bad. Tippy got in, injured really bad. Noel Marshall, uh, her husband, who was behind the whole thing, got injured. I mean, a lot of people got injured really bad. Melanie Griffith. But, you know, I got, like, clawed in the finger once by a cougar. Uh, but that was about it. And, uh, yeah, I'm a long-winded way of you saying, how did I get in? Well, that's how it started. Um, so I was Daniel in the lion's den. Do, do, do I need to go there? <laughs> and, that's beautiful. I did not know this part of your story. Yeah, God let me go in, and he let me survive. So it was very biblical for me. And uh, I came out of that, and... You know, my first my first movie was uh, I started in horror with John Carpenter, a movie called Body Bags. I went back to film school late. I was the old guy at 27 at UCLA Film School and then had a great partner, Billy Brown, who I wrote this with. And we got it sold. That whole story is insane. But we got it to John Carpenter and got that movie made. And that that was 1990, 91. And that began a 30 year ongoing career. The minute I got that made. I'm not saying it was ever easy, but, you know, was off to the races. Wow. So you, you start off in a lion's den, then you do a horror movie, and you, you have an affinity towards movies that are scary. Uh, and that led you into uh, the zone of, I think you call it safe scare, uh, where you create these scary family films. Uh, and you've done that with uh, the Goosebumps uh, uh, series and uh, the Haunting Hour. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. I would say Goosebumps and then the follow-up Haunting Hour were two of the best times of my career. And I, you know, we had a rule, and the you know, obviously Goosebumps was a massive you know book property, and I was really that was a blessing because it could have gone to anyone, and to be able to get that opportunity was great and and kind of that lesson was to always keep relationships because when I was trying to sell body bags, I met this wonderful gentleman, Bill Sigler at ABC. He optioned it. We ended up not making it, but I kept in touch with Bill and we became friends. And about five years later, he called me up and said, hey, 
I've got the perfect project for you and uh, your partner. Um, we're doing this thing called Goosebumps. I'm the producer on it, and I need a you know creative producer showrunner, and you're the guys. And it, that whole thing happened because of our relationship with Bill. And it just, it was a blast because we, we first of all created Safe Scare, as you pointed out, for families. Safe Scare. Yeah. And, um, and it was uh, the Hero of the Rules. Uh, you take your kids, you know, like Magic Mountain. Let's talk about Magic Mountain. That's nearby. Uh, you know, you got a roller coaster. You, you go with your kids. The kids are in line. They're nervous. They're afraid. They don't want to go. Oh, you get them on the ride. They scream. They yell. They go, ah. And they get off. And then what's the first thing they say? Let's go again. Let's go again. Mm-hmm. That was good. So we knew we were going to scare you. No sex, no language, no violence, no gore. But we're going to scare you, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a roller coaster ride. And it worked. We had a blast. We didn't have a lot of money, so we had to, you know, do all these creatures and monsters on a shoestring and, uh, you know, hired, you know, you know, Ron Stefanik, a great guy who was a kid who, you know, loved to make creature monster masks, you know, and we gave him a break and we were off to the races. And it was, I, what I can't believe is it's been almost 30 years, what, no, 95, 2000, yeah, 27 years later, it's still going strong on Netflix, plays in a lot of places. Obviously, they ended up making the movies. But, you know, to this day, I have people come up to me and say, you changed my life. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> it was a lot and of you fun. scared me to death you as scared, a child. Yeah. Okay, so I mean those those were great. Then you have some great award-winning documentaries, Door to Door, Gifted Hands, uh, just some incredible things. Uh, but then your latest one is this Netflix movie that was like number one in the world for several weeks, uh, Rescued by Ruby. For our listeners that haven't seen that, I can't imagine there's there's many that haven't because so many saw this film. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what, what attracted you to this story? Well, well, I love making movies, as you pointed out, about true life stories and amazing people who have accomplished amazing things. So obviously, you know, door to door with the salesman with cerebral palsy who became the, you know, the number one salesman in America. And, you know, everyone knows gifted hands and Ben Carson's story of a boy in poverty with his incredible mom who became one of the greatest surgeons in, in, in the world. And, you know, I, Squire and Louise, uh, who had created the Godwinks uh, books and franchise, which I was fortunate to be able to create that franchise for Hallmark. Then they decided to do a franchise called Dogwinks, which would be great stories about dogs. And so they shared with me what this story was, the story of Ruby and this police officer whose dream in Rhode Island was to become a canine officer. And they shared the story with me and I, I just couldn't, first of all, I love dogs. You know, there was a moment in time, I think even I wanted to be a police officer. I mean, I could just, there was something about this I loved. And I can't tell you the, if no one's seen the movie, I don't want to tell the ending. But obviously it's an incredible story of, of an opportunity where this officer through circumstances is able to save this dog on the day that it's going to be put down and on his very own against all odds, able to turn him into and pass the test to become his canine officer and partner. And it is, it was so moving to me. And then what happened was I, I went to this meeting at Netflix and I was going to introduce them to my company, Fezziwig Studios, and I'm setting up my computer and, um, 
while I'm plugging in, the executive, uh, Christina, says, do you have a dog story? And I'm like, I, I do have a dog story. So I proceed to give the three-minute version of the story, Rescued by Ruby, and everyone is crying. <laughs> Sold. They wanted the movie. I said, so, yeah. And I, like, unplugged. I go, that's it. Okay. You know, it's like drop the mic time, like, you know, that Seinfeld episode. Like, you know, okay, you walk in the room and... They say, okay, and no reason to talk about anything else because they might hate something. And I'm not, no. Yeah. Walk out the room. Mm -hmm. And it was an incredible experience. They were very supportive of the movie. Uh, and then, you know, you know, uh, once we got, uh, you know, Karen Jansen wrote a beautiful script, and then we were able to um, get Grant Gustin, who was our first choice, The Flash, mm -hmm. and he did an amazing job. Scott Wolf, amazing job. We just had an incredible cast. And, mm -hmm. and of course, the real heroes of that movie were – our trainers and we found two incredible dogs that were rescued also close to the time they were going to be put down and we made them stars mm -hmm. and you had to you had to like dye their their hair right because these are german shepherds i don't know if you call it fur or oh no these were well well normally it's a german shepherd these they weren't uh, ruby was not a german shepherd it was these were more of um of collie you know shepherd sheep mix you know it was definitely a mutt okay um yeah ruby did not get the full bread um that's what was so fun about ruby definitely not one of the gang <laughs> <laughs> well i i loved it my wife and i we've seen it a several times we 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 laugh we cry it's Thank you. it's amazing and a great watch for people on, on netflix so you you dropped just a hint for us a second ago about the name of your company fezziwig and I want you to tell our listeners the story of why that name, which I think will segue very well into what we want to talk about today, which is Christmas movies. So tell us a little bit about Fezziwig. Okay, well, it's probably, to my family, it's no secret that I'm a huge Dickens fan. And my favorite movie is Scrooge the Musical, and we'll talk about it a little more. Um, but I love the Christmas Carol story. I think it's an incredible story of redemption Obviously, you know, watching that. It, okay, so I, I was going to talk about this, but this is all part of how the name came up. I'm 11 years old. My sister takes me to see Scrooge the Musical with Albert Finney. And that definitely was a magical moment in a movie theater where not only did I love the movie and I was influenced by the movie and the music and the musicals, but that was the movie that made me realize I have to make movies. Mm. You know, I grew up in movie theaters with my parents who took us all the time. We went on movie runs. We'd go to three or four movies on a day. Wow. My parents had, yeah, it was so, so much fun because, of course, they'd have double features. So we'd do the, you know, the, the, the 11 o'clock to like, you know, to one, go eat lunch, come back and, you know, do the three to seven or eight at night. And, you know, obviously Scrooge was appropriate. That was great. Uh, my parents were fantastic. They get, you know, they gave me this, this excitement of watching movies with no filter. So, you know, one of my great memories and terrors was when they took me to Rosemary's Baby, and I think I was six. Um, oh, my. So I, I, I was traumatized from that, of course. But it also made me I would think to, so. It also, I was such a chicken, and I was so afraid of so many things when I was younger. You know, I, I think when I was 16, I finally got out of watching a scary movie and sleeping with my parents. So... You know, I, then it was my turn to try to make scary movies and make other people sleep with their parents. So, <laughs> so this whole movie, Scrooge the Musical and A Christmas Carol, where I, I'm on my own now and I want to open my company. 
And of course, my kids are all grown and they know they're, we did the same thing with my kids, made them go to see every movie. And, um, we're sitting around saying, okay, what are you going to call your company? And, you know, of course you start with what's our favorite movie. And then we got to Scrooge the musical and we're, that didn't help. Cause we're like, I can't call my company Scrooge. And, you know, we're trying to think about it. And then we went back and read the story and what I forgot. So every time, just a little backstory, every time I do a TV show or a movie, I sit with the crew and, and I just, in my heart, and this is what God wants me to do. I want to be that light and I want to learn everyone's name and I want to make sure they get paid as well as they can get paid. And at the end of this process, I wanted to feel like it was the best time they ever had. They had fun, they got paid. And if it isn't the best experience they had in the movie business, I didn't do my job. Hmm. What I forgot is that that's what Fezziwig told Scrooge. And that's the only time he was happy. And he found love before he decided to trade it in for money and ruin things for a while. Um, and I, my family and I all sat and looked at each other and I went, that's it. Fezziwig Studios bringing great stories to light. Wow. That's beautiful. Okay. So that leads us into Christmas movies. We're in the holiday season. There's so much out there. There's the Christmas movies we grew up with. There's the Christmas movies that are new. There's the Hallmark movies that uh, make everybody feel good and are fun to play Hollywood, or Hallmark bingo with uh, <laughs> along the way, uh, which is a, a real thing and hilarious. So let's start with this, Dan. Um, you know, there are movies we enjoy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a huge uh, Batman fan, love the Batman movies, but... By and large, they're not critically acclaimed. Now, a couple of them are, but for the most part, no. I like comedies, not critically acclaimed. What are the, the movies that are widely regarded as critically stellar, that are the standards for, I mean, they're great movies, whether they're Christmas and feel good or not. Give us a few of those for all of us that are interested in that. Well, I think you have to go with It's a Wonderful Life. We have to start there because, you know, this is a movie that is what 75 years old i think it's 75 years old this year mm -hmm. um and this is a movie that i think and this would also be on my top movies when we talk about top movies but you know this is a movie that talk about a movie that you laugh you cry you go to the darkest of dark places and come back to the lightest of light places um i think what's crucial about it is that when he is at his lowest point, and, and I mean, obviously the cast, James Stewart was incredible. Um, you know, that whole cast was amazing. But when you get to him, this character and you watch him get to his lowest point, it's how everyone rallies after he's gone through the horrors and the, what would life be like without him and what if he hadn't lit, you know. And we see all that in Bedford Falls, but it's everyone rallying to be generous and kind and come together and give him, you know, hope, and in the end, to save him as a team. You know, everyone in Bedford Falls comes to his aid. And I think that that kind of story was so incredible, but even more incredible today. It's clearly stood the test of time. It's clearly what we need in this time right now. We're so divided. We need a lot of more, a lot more um, Bedford Falls in America and around the globe. Mm -hmm. And I'm hopeful that that happens you know, and we can all be reminded of it. But I think everything about that movie, I mean, you've got this incredible director like Capra, right? You got this incredible guy like Jimmy Stewart. And the other thing I don't think people know, and I didn't know this till recently, 
they both had just come out of, you know, they'd come out of World War II. In, you know, he was a, Jimmy Stewart was a fighter pilot. Mm. Capra was a photographer, war, war, for, you know, war photographer. And you can imagine how PTSD that would have been for both of them. Mm. And they were at the bottom of, of their, you know, joy when this opportunity came. This is the movie that really brought them back. Mm. And I think that's, mm. I think that's incredible. And I think for all those reasons, you know, oh, and by the way, not to mention, they would never make this movie today. No. You could never walk no. into a network or a studio and say, hey, I want to make this movie. It's going to be amazing. And this guy's this great guy in the small town, and then he gets depressed, and he's going to kill himself. Yeah. And then what? He commits suicide? Yeah. We're not making that movie. Mm. And that makes me so sad because I'm even going through that on a project now. Now that 13 Reasons Why was made, no one will make this project that even mentions the word suicide. Hmm. And it's a, you know, it's a small piece of the project. And people are so afraid and so fearful. And I'm so grateful that It's a Wonderful Life not only got made, and I think it's critically one of the best movies ever made at Christmas, but that it has stood the test of time. Hmm. That's a great story. I did not know the background on that. That is fantastic. Okay, give us another one. Well, we talked about Scrooge. Um, and, and I think that was amazing. Boy, I'm trying to remember, I'll be honest with you. I'm trying to remember if this was or wasn't critically acclaimed at the time. You know, you know, I have a short list here, like trading places, Edward Scissorhands. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I loved Edward Scissorhands and I'm trying to remember if Edward Scissorhands was critically acclaimed. I don't remember, but is that a Christmas movie? Yeah, they, yeah, they released it and it's considered a Christmas movie. And I think, again, when you look at, I'm, I'm leaving out all those great comedies and things like that because they never get critically acclaimed, right? Um, even to this day. Uh, but, you know, the, the ones that feel like they were critically acclaimed, and I have to, I haven't even looked back before this call, I mean, before, before our talk. Um, but, you know, I remember things like Love Actually. I mean, I mean, Love Actually is just an unbelievable movie. And again, I, you know, in some ways, it's like, I mean, how do you tell, what, five stories in a movie, and they did it beautifully? Yeah. And, and I have this sense it was critically acclaimed. Not for the kids, by the way. Not for the Not kids. Not for the kids. Yeah. Hey, let me interrupt this podcast for just a second to remind you, this Christmas, check out one of our Christmas services, reallifechurch.org for service times. Love to see you there. Now, back to the show. Um, you know, what's interesting about Edward Scissorhands, and I didn't know this till I moved to uh, Valencia, California, but apparently Tim Burton went to CalArts, which is here in Valencia, and he considers Edward Scissorhands his homage to Valencia because the town in which Johnny Depp's character Edward lives is what he always viewed Valencia to be, this perfect little town that didn't know what to do with a misfit, which is how he thought of himself which was, it made a lot of sense for me after having lived here and, and seeing that. It was pretty fascinating. Well, that makes it, that story I did not know, and that makes it critically acclaimed for me. Wow. I shared something with you you didn't know about movies? I'm, I did not know that. I'm stumped. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Well, so there's obviously some that are critically acclaimed. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, A Christmas Story, uh, those kind of things. But tell me your favorite. You're a filmmaker. I've been to movies with you. You see things differently than I do. We walk out of a theater and I say, that was fun. And you say, oh, a lot of holes in that story. <laughs> now I see that you've ruined me. I now see all the holes in, sto in storytelling. So you're watching these movies. You're looking for what makes it really a joy for you. 
Tell me some of your favorite Christmas movies everybody has to see. Okay. Well, first off, I am sorry if I've blown some holes into some of the movies. I apologize. But the ones I'm going to talk about, um, you know, there was a time and and a lot more when when I was younger into my even younger adult time than now where you would go to the movie and you wouldn't think uh, good, bad, or indifferent. You escape in these movies and just have fun. Yeah. And the experience of escaping in a movie, that's what we all love, right? Right. You, for, for, for two hours, you don't even know that there's a world outside because you're in this world. And that's what I love about movies. So all the ones I'm going to mention did that for me. Hmm. I don't care what the critics or anyone said. And you know, I wouldn't punch all. It was the experience, right? Um, and part of it also was not just for me. It was for my kids because I started taking my kids to these movies on some of these, okay? Um, and I won't, in no certain order, because they're all great in different ways. So we, we talked about It's a Wonderful Life. We talked about Scrooge and A Christmas Carol. Um, and those are at the top. Home Alone. I mean, mm. Home Alone is such, first of all, I think a perfect movie and holds up as well today as it did, God, how long has it been? 30 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, it's been like 32 years. I think so. I can't believe that. Um, and when I think about, you know, just what it was about and how fun it was on the cast and, you know, I'm watching and we, we, none of us really knew who Macaulay Culkin was, but what an amazing kid and Joe Pesci and Daniel, I mean, and you, and, and now when I watch the movie, it all builds to that last 20 minutes, 30, you know, when he turns on the, on the bad guys. And I mean, it is just such a blast. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, it just gets me in the, I love it. I agree. Elf. Mm. I mean, probably one of the best fish out of water movies ever made. One of my favorite comedies, period. I just love that movie. And, you know, what's so amazing about Will, Will Ferrell's, uh, you know, his performance is he's so unbelievably childlike and likable mm-hmm. and joyful. And it's just, I think it represents what we all had when we were young and then we lose it. And he doesn't lose it as a grown-up. And to watch that and how he affects all the adults around him, especially James Caan, it's just, it's just a classic. Mm. You know? So great. It's just so great. Uh, side note, um, so Ed Asner plays Santa, right? Mm-hmm. And when Ed... Asner passed away, and obviously I was a huge Ed Asner fan, excuse me, Ed Asner fan on Mary Tyler Moore and many things that he did, and he passed away, and my daughter-in-law's family calls us, calls Cindy and I, and says, do you guys need a piano? We go, what do you mean do we need a piano? They said, Ed Asner's piano, we want to give it to you. So I now am the proud owner of Ed Asner's piano, and that's exciting to me. Which you've taught your dog how to play. And yes, I don't play it. <laughs> Zoe, my beautiful pug, plays the Ed Asner piano. Um, <laughs> all right. And, and by the way, a lot of these movies we're talking about, clearly there's a theme of comedy because there were a lot of good comedies. Um, we have to talk about Christmas Vacation. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I, 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 I can't describe the feeling I had when I first saw it. And I can't describe the feeling I have every time I watch it because it's just so funny. And, and it's not only in all these movies have they're they're hilarious, but they have a heart. And I remember 
watching Christmas Vacation in a movie theater. It's my first Christmas away from my home because I'm at college. And when he's up in the attic watching the old Christmas you know, films, the reel-to-reels of family Christmases, I just start losing it. I mean, you know, it's... It's emotional, and then it's just absolutely hilarious. Until until his wife, you know, decides to <laughs> pull the staircase. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's right. That's right. And <laughs> and who cannot fall in love with cousin Eddie? And oh, of course. I mean that scene where he's emptying the crapa. Mm-hmm. I think they call it something else. But um, uh, in the dinner scene, I mean, my wife and I still the dogs yakking on a bone. I mean that scene. <sighs> And yet, yeah. and yet, that scene was still reminiscent, as crazy as it got, of all of our. We can all relate to it, even if even if we're not having, yeah. you know, turkeys imploding and squirrels running through trees. You know, whatever went on in that movie's gone on in all of our lives, and I think yeah. that was amazing that they managed to, to your point, to say that. You know, well, and we all have those relatives, or we are those relatives. You know, whether it's the grandma or, uh, you know, just the the tension of family. I'm always amazed how much time they spend together. I mean, they show up on like the 11th of December and stay through Christmas. It's, (laughs) I mean, it's just crazy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's really, it's, it is crazy. Um, Are we allowed to say Die Hard? I know this is a debate. Oh, that's, that's a Christmas movie. Absolutely. I don't think, yeah, I don't think it came out near Christmas, but became a Christmas movie. And there's a whole bunch of writings about why it's a Christmas movie from obviously taking place at the time, the Christmas music. But I mean, I mean, that's another one that's just amazing. One of my favorite Bruce Willis movies. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So these are, these are some of your favorites. And I think everybody would probably nod along with some of those. I know that some of your favorites are, are not always just because they're about Christmas, but because they were released on Christmas. This was kind of an unheard of thing for many, many years. Christmas Day was a family day. Everything was shut down. But at some point, the movie makers began to figure out by the, by the evening, people were ready to get out of the house and do something. So they started showing movies. And that was a big part of your, of your life. So tell us some of, the, some of your favorite movies you saw on Christmas, even if they're not a Christmas movie. Yeah, I, I, I love, it was probably one of my f- favorite movie-going experiences because we, we did it all the way back. I mean, I'm going back to the earliest. I'll talk about one of the earliest ones, but, and that would have been 50, 40, yeah, 50 years, almost 50 years ago. I can't believe it. Um, but yeah, no one was doing this. We would go to the movies on Christmas Day and there was no one there. Right. And, we, you know, it's like having the theater to yourself practically and now, of course, you can't even get in. It's a, a, and I'm trying to remember when that changed. I don't quite have a memory of when that changed, but it mm-hmm. clearly caught on through the years. Um, but one of the early memories was The Sting. Mm. And that came out in 73. And I had already, and to this day, probably still feel that Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. So here, here comes Paul Newman and Robert Redford again in this incredibly wonderful movie and no one saw that ending coming they got all of us really you know we all were stung watching that movie and and that was an amazing feeling walking out of that theater no i don't think anyone had ever experienced that yeah a story like that Hmm. and so it was very very joyous um going probably a little you know more recent um and again i guess it's my love for dogs but marley and me was a you know a big Christmas release. Mm. And that was very, very wonderful. And I look at some of these 
The Aviator. I mean, I love that movie. That was a Christmas release. Mm-hmm. Um, Galaxy Quest. <laughs> Probably a lot of people don't remember that. That was, I mean, I love that movie. That was a great movie. Look at these, like Patch Adams. Uh, I loved pa- mm. Tombstone. Oh, I love Tombstone. Yeah. Um, Catch Me If You Can. Um, there were just some great ones. Uh, I, I, I didn't remember that American Sniper was a Christmas release, but again, it was. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So when you look at the range all the way to Clint Eastwood's Magnum Force, I mean, look, clearly there was no gauge as to what the genre was going to be, but some big movies came out of Christmas, and and um, you probably know some other ones. Godfather 3. That was one of the first ones I saw on Christmas Day. Amazing. Which obviously doesn't hold up versus 1 and 2, but every time I watch it, it gets better, but I'm a, I'm a big Godfather fan. So. And by the way, and by the way, don't hate me for going backwards for a second. Oh, tell us. One of my favorite Christmas movies that no one saw was Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds and Anna Faris and Amy Smart and Chris Klein. And I'm telling you, we laughed so hard at this movie. We went at one in the afternoon and then grabbed our friends and went back at seven at night after dinner and saw it twice in one day. And it is, oh, Julie Haggerty plays his mom too from Airplane. I mean, oh, yeah. this movie is, I highly recommend it for anyone who just loves crazy comedy. <laughs> and I would put it right up there for me with Christmas Vacation. I mean, we watch it every year. Wow. Okay. Well, see, I just made a note of that. You told me about it yesterday. I wrote it down today because when everybody's home, we're going to be watching that one. Okay. So there might be a little language. There might be a few things, but. Well, that's right. And I should say, not everything mentioned on this podcast is supported by Real Life Church or Rusty George, but just FYI, use caution. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I got to ask you this before we go, and that is, over the last probably five or six years, it seems to me, the Hallmark Christmas movies have just taken off. It started as kind of a, you know, a few movies in December. Now they kick them off early in November, right right after Halloween. They're so predictable, but so loved. What is it about those that we just love so much? And we is a, is a large, you know, oversimplification. Not everybody loves them. A lot of guys are just loathing the fact they have to sit through them and they watch the game on their phone. <laughs> but wh- why do we like these? <laughs> uh, well, you, you, you've made some of these. Uh, so tell me why, why we like these films. Yeah, I've done about 10 of them. Um, and I think... That's a, I think it's an incredibly wonderful question. I think the first thing is, first of all, the core audience, I hope I don't get this wrong if all the hallmarkers are listening, but I think the core audience is actually kind of the 50 and older, 45 and older women. Um, it might skew even a little younger for some of the wives, uh, but you're right. It's not, you know, the, the husbands and the men are not flocking. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're being dragged, you know, to the, to the TV, and, and I think a few of them closetly, secretly do like them, uh, but they could never admit it. <laughs> That's right. But, but you know, I, I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of Christmas. I, I cannot tell you, even on these limited budgets, how we have to go nuts on the Christmas. Dec- so, you, you know, you, there isn't a shot in the movie probably that doesn't have Christmas decorations. That's what we have to do when we're making them. Um, so it definitely helps get you in the Christmas mood, just the, the fun of seeing all the lights and the color and the, you know, the way it's designed. The stories are, a lot of them, the same, as you know, 
Um, but it's always about, you know, fall in love. You know, it's, it's about someone you're rooting for. They probably will end up looking like they're not going to get together. They do. And they always have to kiss in that last frame. But I think what's really important to people watching them and loving them is they just are longing for something that feels good, that's positive, that's going to end happy, and they can leave and feel safe. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing going on with the Hallmark movies and the Hallmark Channel. Yes. And it's been hugely successful for that reason. I will tell you, um, if I can tell you about one of the movies I did, and it's, it's really a credit to Hallmark years ago, because it, it checked all those boxes, but if I had any criticism, I would say you don't always have to make the same movie. Right. And the audience will still be there. So years ago, I was able to sell them Christmas in Canaan. Mm -hmm. And it's still one of my favorite movies that I've made. I would definitely put it up there as one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And it was... Mine as well. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And, you know, Donald Davenport wrote the book and wrote the script. And it was based on Kenny Rogers and his childhood growing up in Canaan, Texas, and when I read that book I, and I met Donald and I met Kenny and I was like, I have to make this movie and I'm reading the book and the opening scene is this black boy sitting on the back of a bus reading Catcher in the Rye and this white boy comes up to him, rips up the book and they start fighting. And these are, these kids are like, you know, middle school. So now they get sent to the principal's office and dad arrives, the white boy's dad, and says, I refuse to have a racist for a son. So now you will live with this black boy and his grandmother for a week. And then this black boy is going to live with us for a week. And thus began the most incredible friendship. And eventually the grandmother passes away and they adopt the black boy. And flash forward to their older now, best friends. And now they're fighting all the racism that's going on in the town. And I just... The minute, the minute the movie opened and the book, you know, the same as the book, I just, I, I had to make this movie. And one of the things I did, which I was really proud of, was I, I grew up on like Little House on the Prairie. And you, I mean, you know, Lord Mike, you know, like who's our favorite actor, right? Yeah. And you, you look at him and I, I needed that. I needed that kind of a dad. And Billy Ray Cyrus is who I wanted. And I was able to get Billy Ray to say yes. And he did a beautiful job. He was that likable, lovable father who cared, and it really came across. And I was so proud of him and very proud of the movie. So there you go. I mean, people say that Hallmark, they got in trouble. They're all, they do too much white. They don't have color. They don't have diversity. Well, we had a movie about racism mm -hmm. and with diversity. And at that time, to the audience's credit, Highest rated movie in the history of Hallmark at that time. And they even screened it in special screenings at the Academy of Television. Mm. And I don't know why Hallmark doesn't still do that. <laughs> and I think they're trying. And Hall of Fame was the, you know, obviously the jewel in the crown. And many of those movies were incredible and deep and rich in story and diversity. So it's there and it's in their DNA. And I'm glad I got to do one of them. Well, it is a great film. Everybody should see it. Christmas in Canaan. Reminds you a little bit of Coat of Many Colors, the Dolly Parton story. Uh, that kind of a feel. It's a great family film. Will bring a lot of great conversation. And you're right. Billy Ray does do a great job. He's more than just Hannah Montana's dad. He's more than just achy, breaky heart. He does a great job in this movie. 
Well, Dan, this has been fun. I could talk movies all day, and I'm sure we'll go see some uh, relatively soon. Uh, but thank you for not only just the conversation, but for your contribution. Uh, Christmas in Canaan, movies like that, Rescued by Ruby, uh, just continue to uh, impact people. So I appreciate that and appreciate your time today. Well, I, I thank you, and I thank God for the opportunity. It's never easy to get them made, and it's a blessing when they get made. And that's the biggest battle, yep. trying to get the next one made. And just hoping and praying God will open those doors faster. That's right. Amen, brother. We pray with you. All right, Dan, thanks so much for being on the podcast again. Well, that was so much fun. I, I love Dan, and I love what he has to say. And maybe something was said today that's going to encourage somebody or will just be interesting to somebody um, that you might want to pass on with somebody. So make sure you share this with them. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us a review for the podcast. We so appreciate you helping us get the word out. Hey, next week, we'll be back. It's Christmas, and we're going to share our Christmas Eve service via the podcast. I think you're going to love it. Hope you have a happy Christmas, and I cannot wait to see you the week after. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.